0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today, on A Transforming Word.
1: I would feel unfaithful to God to tell you that you need to give or else God gonna get you. I believe that God doesn't want it that way. I believe that God wants it to be something that flows out of people that understand the gospel. We understand God's grace on our lives and then we become willing God, I'm willing to participate in your process. i, I, I as a part of my worship. Um, whenever they pray for the ties, if we're going to continue in worship and our giving. It should be able to be done as a form of, as
0: a way of giving. In today's message, Pastor Bill will share with you about giving money in the church. Most people tend to have some negative thoughts about giving money in the church. However, in a Bible-centered church, there should never be any pressure to give money. The Bible says that we should give money to the church, but how much you choose to give is between you and the Lord. It's important to pray and seek the Lord about how much you could and should give. No amount is too much or too little. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 8, as he begins his message, The Grace of Giving.
1: For you guys that are following along with us, we're going through 2 Corinthians. Uh, last week, we had a guest speaker. The week before that, we covered 2 Corinthians, chapter 7, and the message was about repentance, so we dealt with what was what is real repentance. Um, at the end of that chapter... Uh, Paul was thankful for Titus. And I got to kind of give you the background. Titus had the, you know, Paul wrote the first letter to Corinthians, which was primarily a correction. And Paul was waiting for word back from Titus as far as how they had received it, you know, how things were going. And he got word back that not only had they received the teaching, they had responded to the corrections and they were in a much better place. And so that kind of brings us to today, because Paul is going to deal with um, one of the graces, and I uh, will explain why they're called graces, that the Corinthians weren't excelling, and there were many things they were doing well, but they weren't doing well in the area of giving. Uh, if you guys are just joining us, it's your first time here, you're like, man, they're talking about money already, um, <laughs> so that you know, uh, we go through the Bible chapter by chapter and verse by verse, and for a reason, uh, there are things that come up a lot. There are things that come up here and there. What we want to do is be faithful as things come up in the word. We teach them. Um, And so where we are in the word right now, this comes up. There's a lot of wrong teaching on giving. It's one of the areas like the gifts. When we were in first Corinthians and we covered the gifts, um, there's a lot of faulty teaching and faulty practice concerning gifts and controversy. So we spent time to clarify those things for us. There's a lot of faulty teachings, practices in regard to giving. So our goal is going to be to teach through it accurately, that you guys would have a biblical understanding. And when you see something that's whack, you would be able to know that's that's not what the Bible says I'm supposed to do. So um, so this we call this is a series through Second Corinthians eight and nine. We're calling it the grace of giving. And we'll see as we go through it. Why why we would consider it a, a grace. Second um, Corinthians chapter eight. Let's look at verse one. Um, Paul, and I I guess I should explain this too, as Paul opens up this teaching on giving, the first thing he does to the Corinthians who are not doing good in giving is he points to the church in Macedonia as an example. So look at chapter eight, verse one. Paul says, moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia that in a great trial of affliction, The abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. And I'll come back and explain all of that. First of all, Paul is um, using he's using the Macedonians as an example. And this is a here's a this is why that's important. The church in Macedonia was also poor. Um, They weren't doing well. They weren't. It wasn't like the rich church. Was balling out of control. They're getting ready to help the church in Jerusalem, of the poor church. They're also not doing very well. They're, they It says they're in poverty, but he points to them as an example, and, and there'll be a reason for that. If, and this is this takes us back to the Book of Acts. So just follow with me, so we, we get the context here. Uh, in Acts, when the Holy Spirit fell upon the church, they were there. Uh, they waited. They were waiting on the Lord. Uh, the day of Pentecost came. Holy Spirit fell upon the church. Um, what did everybody do when the Holy Spirit fell upon all the believers out there? Spoke with other tongues. Um, that, was, that was, there were cloven tongues of fire above their head. They spoke with other tongues. It was a supernatural manifestation of God's meeting them in that way that day, right? Then people that were looking on, people that were, <laughs> people that were looking on, right? They said, these guys must be drunk, right? Remember that? And, and Peter stood up and he said, these men are not drunk as you suppose, But he said, there's a scriptural example, a reason for this. This is what the prophet Joel said. And he explained it using scripture, what was going on. So as Peter gave explanation of what was going on, um, he preached a message. And how many people got saved? 3,000 people. That's a big church. Boom, instantly. Now, this is important to note. People had gathered from all over the place. So people that left home, they left cities, they left towns. And they all came to join there that one day. Well, 3,000 people get saved. Boom, gang of believers here. Some of those people didn't go back home. Shortly after, uh, as time went on, the Lord kept adding to the church. There were Then that 3,000 became how many? Come on, y'all, Bible students. 3,000 became how many? 5,000. All right. Some of y'all whispered it. like, <laughs> So 3,000 became 5,000, and they're all staying there. And this is what they did. They weren't, they weren't told they had to do this, but they were, I, I believe it was a, a matter of their, they loved each other so much. The manifestation of, of Christian love was that they looked at one another and some of the people that came had a lot of money. Some of the people, some of the people that were there didn't have anything. So those that had a lot, the Bible says they sold what they had. They sold possessions, they sold homes, and they brought all the proceeds and they laid it at the apostles' feet. They said, Hey, use this to make sure everybody has everything. So they had kind of a communal living. Now, it's important to note, God didn't tell them they had to do that. And I'm not here saying that's how we should do that. I'm not here saying you should sell your home and bring it all and put it at our feet. We'll make sure everybody's needs are met. That's not what we're saying. That's what they did. And it worked for a while. But after a while, um, that that money started running out. And so that, that large group of believers in Jerusalem, they were broke. People had left home. So at home was probably where your job was. So. Now that you're here and the proceeds from what was sold have run out, they're, they're, they're struggling. They were very, they ended up being a poor, struggling church in Jerusalem. And so there were other believers that were looking on saying, man, we should, we should help. And that's where we're kind of, that's where this offering that was, we're talking about, you know, Paul had mentioned this in 1 Corinthians 16, and we'll look at that later on. But um, the Macedonian church, who was also poor, they were, they were willing to help out. And so um, Paul is pointing to them as an example because the Corinthians were not excelling in their giving. Everybody follow me now? You guys all right, All right. I just want to make sure we got all the picture, all the context. So look at uh, chapter verse two now. It says that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. And um, I guess first thing I, I should mention is that giving is a grace. Um, Some people look at giving as, you know, uh, Old Testament giving was not a grace. In the Old Testament, you gave under the law. So in the Old Testament, you gave because God said you you, just what you better give. And if you didn't give like you were supposed to give, you would get in trouble. You know, God would punish you. And we see that in the Old Testament. That's why I have a hard time. um, I don't I don't use uh, in teaching on giving. I I would have a hard time going to Malachi three, which is. Um, the church that I went to when I first got saved, we were beat over the head with Malachi 3. Every Sunday morning, there was a mini sermonette on Malachi 3. Have a man robbed God? Wherein have he robbed thee in tithes and offering? You know, bring all your offering into the storehouse and there be meat for my people that they may eat. And if not, God to open up the windows of heaven for you. I got to bless you. You have room up to receive it every single week. You know, it was. You know threatening you be cursed with a curse promising you got will open up windows of heaven So we give them for the wrong reason and scared that we didn't give for the wrong reasons Let me tell you why I don't believe that that applies. Do we have a temple today? No, no. Maybe the lord likes it over here better hey. do we, we don't have a temple right? Do we have a storehouse? Do I do we store up? You know, do we have a we, it's not the same thing. It's different now this is what gets messed up. Right. And I understand. I understand the temptation as a pastor of a church where, you know, you need people to give so that things can be paid for. The temptation is, well, if I, if I don't tell you, you have to at least give 10 percent. Some of y'all are tip God and give God two dollars. That's not my business, though. That's really between you and the Lord. If I be faithful to the scripture and I've been in this for four weeks, you know, constantly looking and looking like God, is it you know, what do I tell them? What's your what is the what is your word? Teach us. Do are we tithing? Or are we giving? Is it different now? I believe it's different under the New Testament. Um, I believe that under the old covenant, they gave because God said, if you don't, I will curse you. And there were times where people didn't give the land rest. They didn't do what God told them to do. In Malachi, those people did rob God. God got them for that. There was a penalty for that. In the New Testament, things are different. And I'm explaining right. And the under the Old Testament, God said, and this is with regard to the law. God said in the Old Testament, don't murder. Did he? What did he say in the New Testament? Don't even hate somebody, right? In the Old Testament, God said, don't commit adultery. What did he say in the New Testament? Okay. Don't even lust. So is it less or more in the New Testament? It's more. So here's the thing. In the Old Testament, God said, you're going to give at least a 10. You're going to give a 10 by command. Under the New Covenant, I believe under grace, God is said, you're free to give as much as you want. That I'm not limited to a 10. I'm not limited to a tie that I'm I'm, I'm liberty That God. So I want you to give under grace. Now, I'm no longer under the law. And neither are you. If you're born again as a Christian, I can't tell you you're going to be cursed because the curse is gone. Amen. Our curse went on the cross with Jesus Christ. And I think as we understand that there's a liberty. So I'm not doing I don't give so that God won't get me now. I don't not do something because if I do, I might not go to heaven. I'm going to heaven. The grace of God is amazing. I don't deserve it. I haven't earned it. It's been given to me. So God says now, in response to you, grace is flow to you. Grace should also flow through you. You, You've received, you're a recipient of the grace of God in your life. And so that should flow through your life. That should be the why you do what you do. And so I would feel unfaithful to God to tell you, that you need to give or else God gonna get you. I believe that God doesn't want it that way. Amen. I believe that God wants it to be something that flows out of people that understand the gospel. We understand God's grace on our lives and then we become willing. God, I'm willing to participate in your process. I'm, I, I, as a part of my worship, um, whenever they pray for the tithes, if we're gonna continue in worship and our giving, it should be able to be done as a form of, as, as a way of giving, not by some compulsory, you know, mind controlled, manipulated sort of thing. It should be something that flows freely, and we'll 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 talk more about that as we continue. So, it's a grace. This is why grace is uh, giving is a grace. First of all, the ability to give, right? The ability to have something to give is a grace. What does grace mean, real quick, guys? What is grace? What's the definition for grace? What's that? I heard it like Ooh. God's a merited favor, right? God having bestowed upon us what we don't deserve. I don't deserve salvation, but I'm saved. I don't deserve to go to heaven, but I'm going to heaven. God's unmerited favor, God's grace. When it comes to spiritual gifts, those are graces. I don't deserve the gifts God gave me. So I can't become arrogant about the gift I received. It's a gift according to God's grace. You can't be cocky and arrogant about your gift either. We're all thankful, And want to be faithful to use them for God's glory, but they're a gift. So, too, is giving. The ability to have something to give, God says, everything you have comes from who? comes from him. And I think we have to understand that first to even have a mind to give in a a right way. If I don't believe that everything I have comes from God, if you're sitting here saying, no, what I got, I made that money. I went to work. I got up. I went to school. I got them degrees. I make that money. That's my money. I earned it. I'll give it what I want. You're misunderstanding some things. The Bible says that God is he who gives you the ability to get well. If you have the ability to get up and work, God gave you that. And it can be taken in a moment. If you have, you know, the wherewithal to go to school and do, God, God made that available to you. Whatever it is that you're able to gain, a proper understanding would be that everything I have comes from the Lord. I'm, I'm blessed. So the ability to have something to give comes from God. It's also a grace to be in a place where I understand that not only is what I have comes from God, but my willingness to give is also a grace because some people have, but they don't have a willingness to give. They don't understand grace. Um, It's a grace to have. and It's a grace to be willing um, to give of what I have for the benefit of others. And so, um, so I, I guess as we walk away from that before we move on, it is important that we recognize everything we have flows directly to us from the Lord. And that we want that to flow through us. I want to be a recipient, but I also want to be a conduit of God's grace. Um, the Bible says in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, that it is more blessed to give than to receive. And my mind on that verse used to be, yeah, it's more blessed to give than to receive. I, I'd much rather be in a position to give. That means I have a lot than to be in a position of receiving. But. Um, I think it's more than that, right? Anybody here ever needed something and somebody blessed you, gave it to you? Anybody? Was it a blessing to receive when you needed it? it was. I've been there. I've definitely been in a place where I needed and someone just blessed me or whatever. It's a blessing when you need to receive. It's a blessing. It's not, I, won't, I won't diminish that in any way. When he said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive, um, God said, look, it's, it's a blessing to be on the receiving end of grace from someone. But it's even more blessed when you're in a place that you have and you're willing to give. And I believe that many times just those that God blesses, those that will be givers, those that will be generous, that God's out. You know, that's that's a that's a good stewardship of what I place in your hands. You'll continue to have something to be stewards. Some people, even as believers, have become permanently fixed as receivers. I just take I take I take I never give. Don't be that. Um, there are times when you want to be a gracious recipient of things that you need, but when God has blessed you, you want to also look for opportunities to be generous and gracious in your giving, and that's going to be giving within regard to the work of God within the church. Sometimes it's going to be giving to people. Sometimes you're in a position you're blessed, and God brings people your way, and you know that they have need, and you could help. Um, you want to be generous. That should be that should characterize us as believers. We should be a generous people um, because God has been generous with us. Amen. And so I want you to note the contrast in verse two. It says that they were in a great trial of affliction, but it says they had joy. It says that they were in deep poverty, yet they abounded in the riches of liberality. That means they abounded in their giving. And so how do you get a group of people that in the midst of they're going through it themselves? They're in a great trial of affliction, but somehow they have an abundance of joy. And they're in deep poverty themselves. They're they're struggling Yet they're abounding in their liberality and giving. And I believe it's this. Those are the very conditions that could keep keep cause some people to say, I can't give right now. I'm struggling myself. You know, that's why I can't, I can't participate in giving. Does God want me to give even when I'm struggling? It's a question that we'll answer. What about when you're broke? What about when your ends aren't meeting? Are you still supposed to give? There's somebody that's like, no, God want me to take care of mine first and then his. And I'm going to tell you that that's not correct. That's not really, that's not really, you don't see that in scripture. Um, it makes sense, but the Bible says, don't lean to your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. It makes sense to me to say, well, I don't see that I have enough, so I'm not giving to anybody else so I get mine taken take care of me first. That makes sense to me and my selfish 2017, you know, mindset, but that's not biblical. It's not, it's not, I don't see that in scripture. I don't believe that's how God would have us to be. So they had joy. While they were in affliction, because they weren't focused on themselves. They were going through it, but they were looking at this other group saying, hey, guys, let's let's focus our energies and efforts not on focusing on what's going wrong with us, but how we might be a blessing to them. Yeah, we're, we're, we're impoverished. We don't have everything that we need right now, but we're still going to get something together. and We're going to send a blessing to them because they're they're in a worse condition than we are. And so um, it was part of not focusing on themselves. Uh, they focus on the needs of, of others and being a blessing to others. This acronym for joy. Some of you guys may know it, but it's Jesus, others, and then you. And um, sometimes that's that's a that's how you get back to a place of joy. Just put Jesus first, then others, then yourself. Put yourself last. Some people don't have joy because all they can look at is themselves and what they want and they don't have. So self focused. Um, you can have joy in 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 serving and giving to others, even when you don't have. And so here's this. Should we give when we're broke? You know, when we're in poverty, when we don't have enough, should we still give? And I don't say this to be self-serving, you guys. I'm, I'm wanting to give us Bible. I want to give us what the Bible says. I can think of a couple of examples where God highlights those that were that were giving out of poverty. And he didn't tell them not to give it. He actually commended them for what they were doing. And so if you're writing notes, you can write down Mark 12, 41 to 44. And in Mark 12, 41 to 44, um, this is the, the widow who gives her, you know, her mite. And um, I guess if there's the smallest, you know, two mites would be less than a penny. And so she gave, you know, she didn't have very much, but it's um, Mark 12. I'll read 41 to 44. It says, now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and he saw how the people put money into the treasury. As many who were rich put in much then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which make a quadrant. Again, it's less than a penny. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, "Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. For they all put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. And so Jesus here, I want you to notice, it says that Jesus was looking at, how they gave he didn't look at what they gave he looked at how they gave that some people give out of their abundance this woman is giving out of her poverty he was looking at how they were giving that's important for us to note when it comes to giving that that god is i give i give as unto the lord so one of the reasons why we don't do the whole march around i came out of a church where when it was time for tithes and offers some of you guys maybe been there too where you had to march around and we had four marches at our old church First, you marched around for tithes and offering. And, you know, in, if you can just imagine the setup, the pastor's here, the, the minister's up there, the deacon's board is right there, the thing is right here. You marched around and you gave tithes and offering. Sit back down. Then it was, you came back around, pastor's love offering. Pastor's right there. That's how much you love me? You know, like, right there. I mean, I, I'm not I'm not making this up, that pastor's love offering, you walk around. Then it was building fun offering. And then every week, because it was never enough after the tithe offering, the deacons would go back, count it. It was never enough the first time, no matter how much it was. Um, they came back and said, Hey, guys, we're going to need, I need five more people to give $100 before we can move on. And service was not moving on to that that $500. And then, so you might stand up and we would all clap for you, hey, brother, hey, brother. You know, you guys are bringing $100 and, and there it went. So here's what's wrong with all of that um, God says in Matthew 6, He says, when you do your charitable deeds, he says, don't be like the Pharisees or the hypocrites who love to be seen by men. They love for people. They're people that would wait to give until the opportunity came to give where everybody can see what you gave. Because it was like, oh, man, he's always coming through. Boy, she, you know, she always faithful with that. You know, and God says that that's their reward. You know, whatever people thought of you when you came down. God says when you give, when you do your share, please, don't let your right hand know what what your left hand is doing. Do it. I mean, you got to be so on the low. My, my right hand can't know what my left hand is doing. That means that it's just, it's somehow, God says I want to be between you and me. And God says, and when you give like that, he says, your father, who sees in secret, will reward you openly. Yeah. And so God says, don't let it be, don't, don't let it be something you do for, for people. And so, so we don't do that. We want it to be, in a sense, we want people to have the ability to give with that anonymity, that this between you and the Lord, what God has put upon your heart. I encourage every family to pray about what you're supposed to do and then do what God tells you to do. And it's between you guys and the Lord. It should be done as an act of of worship. It shouldn't be done because your arm has been twisted or you've been made to feel bad or you have an opportunity to shine in front of people. God says, I want it to be done, you know, between you and me. And so I want to note that with this widow's might, as Jesus watched how she gave, he didn't say, "No, no, 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 don't give that. That's all you have. You're poor. He let her give it. Here's another thing. There will be times and there have been times when people that don't have a lot want to give something out of their heart. They, they want to give it. And I've learned that you can't say no, you can't say no, 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 no. You keep that. You, you don't. I know you need it more that you let them give it because it's they're giving it as unto the Lord. And you don't rob them of the blessing of participating because they don't have a lot. Um, Jesus didn't rob that woman, but I know she was taken care of. There's another story. We're not going to turn to it, but if you'd like to write it in your notes, you can write down first Kings 17 verses 10 to 13. And there was a widow there who, you know, when the prophet got there, she said, all she had was a jar of oil and some, just a little bit less. She said, I'm going to make my last meal for me and my son and we're going to eat it. Then we're going to die. And he said, you know what? Take that and do what you said. Go make, but make me a cake first. And that sounds a little selfish, doesn't it? He says, hey, "You mean you about to make your last meal for you and your son? Y'all gonna die?" He said, no, "Go get that and make me a cake first. Bring me a cake, and 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 then and then do take. We'll see if you got something left for y'all." But as she did that for him, he read the story. God multiplied that. She never. They, they never did eat a last meal and die.
0: That's all we have time for today on The Transforming Word. Pastor Bill has been teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. In this book, Paul details many different ways that he suffered for the sake of Christ. It can be painful to hear about these trials, but it's a reminder that following Jesus comes at a personal cost. What are some ways that you've chosen Jesus above other things? Do you think it's worth it? Paul knew it was well worth the pain and hardship that was brought on because he had a bigger picture in sight of eternity. Do you have the same outlook when you go through difficult trials? We hope you continue to learn more from this book written to the Corinthians. If you're interested in hearing additional teachings from Pastor Bill, you'll find them on our website, CalvaryInglewood.org. We'd be happy to meet you too. Do you live in the Inglewood area? Then come join us for worship this weekend. You can get service times and location information at CalvaryInglewood.org. You'll even find links to stream our services if you're unable to be with us in person. And you can catch up on previous messages online. That website again is calvaryenglewood.org. As we come to the end of our time with you today, we want you to know that we're grateful to have you as a part of our listening audience. Would you join us in praying for others who are tuning in and possibly hearing about Jesus for the very first time? Please pray that their hearts will be open to the truth that changes lives. Thanks for praying and thanks for joining us on The Transforming Word.